the time machine? Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Chick, 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 stick the car. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit. Whoa, an airbag. And Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Matt, do you remember when you were a kid and you encountered a steering wheel? You would just steer the shit out of it. And then when you became old enough to drive, you realize that's not how you drive, you know? <laughs> well, actually, I would suggest that maybe it's the way you drive. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that is true. I was thinking, did you have a favorite car or like even a favorite family car that you just had really good memories of? My favorite car that we've actually had in the family was my brother's Ford Pinto. He abandoned it when he left home, mm -hmm. and it became my clubhouse. Did it start, like, growing weeds and stuff? No, but it did get a bee's nest in it. Did it really? Yeah, that was actually what ended the car club, as I called it. I was in there for a month. I even hung, like, wrestling posters in the car. I would go out to it and just hang out in there. <laughs> That's and amazing. then one day, bees just started pouring out from the inside. <laughs> That sounds like it's from like an 80s uh, coming of age movie. Yeah. So anyway, my favorite car, you didn't ask, but I'm going to share. Well, with I just you figured anyway. it was coming. Yeah, it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> the first car that I owned, I bought it for, I think, 1200 And it was a 1987 white Chrysler LeBaron. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like, but just the name sounds fancy. What is it? A LeBaron? Yeah, Chrysler LeBaron. Spell it. It's uh, L-E-B-A-R-O-N. This is the beginning of the all-new Chrysler LeBaron. Beauty with a passion for driving. Wow, yeah, that's such an 80s car. And on the back, I had a big 60s Batman decal <laughs> on the back windshield. Naturally. I pulled a lot of stupid moves with that car, and some of them were even on the road. <laughs> yeah, I think things haven't changed much. The reason why I asked you about your favorite car is because that's going to be the topic for tonight, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. We are doing 12 cool cars <laughs> from all walks of pop culture. Yeah. Now, the thing about this, when we say cars from pop culture, you're obviously going to jump to the DeLorean and Ecto-1 and those kind of things. Jay and I decided we're not going to pick the easy ones. We're going to dig a little deeper. I've actually been really excited to do this show because some of them are very interesting, these picks. So I say let's get into it. And I think it's my turn to go first. It is. Let's do it. Get All your right. motor running. <laughs> get on. I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Prepare for emergency landing. Hey, give me a reading. Our Father, what in heaven, hallowed be thy name, my kingdom come, thy will you stop that? My first pick is the Eagle Five from Spaceballs. It's a Winnebago. It's a Winnebago. So, for those who've never seen 1987 Spaceballs, it was this, like, huge spoof on the Star Wars movies. And the Eagle Five was basically a stand-in for the Millennium Falcon. Right. It was uh, piloted by Captain Lone Star and Barf, and it was literally just a Winnebago with wings. <laughs> So, I mean, like, you're laughing because the ship was played for laughs, but I genuinely love that thing. And oh, it's, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and it's probably where I got my almost lifelong dream to just, like, rent a big van and drive cross-country. Oh, man, I, I share that same thing. I always wanted to do something like that. So, the best part of the Eagle 5 was that even though they had dummied up the insides to look a little bit more like a spaceship, you know, there were, like, shuttle controls and all this futuristic shit. Well, that, that's the cockpit. Right, the cockpit yeah, had all that. Yeah. But the rest of it was still just like this ugly tan Winnebago with the vinyl touches and the horrible carpet. It looked like a hotel room from like a 1985 Days In. It's amazing. <laughs> they have a giant space-related pinball machine in the living room area. Oh, I and it's about that. Yeah, what's weird about it is that I must have seen that movie 400 times in my life. I saw it in the movies when it first came out. 
I never really noticed there was a pinball machine in there. Well, I mean, that John Candy was so magnetic that your eyes just never left him. John Candy was incredible. Yeah. Uh, really... Speaking of John Candy, do you remember the part in there where he's rocking out to Bon Jovi? That is literally my favorite Bon Jovi song. Ah, always when I'm eating. So he's eating that tub of mog food. Right. And I guess, like, we were supposed to be grossed out by it, but I know stovetop stuffing when I see it, and that was totally a fucking tub of stovetop stuffing. Oh, my God, I want that so bad. <laughs> What's your mom making? Uh, some stovetop? Oh, I'm coming over. <laughs> we had the ability to fly the Eagle 5. Who would be Lone Star? And who would be... God. So I'm thinking, I kind of eat a lot. Maybe I would be Barf. And There's like, not a chance in hell that you would not be Lone... <laughs> You're definitely Lone Star, and I'm definitely fucking John Candy in a dog costume eating stuffing in the back. <laughs> if you're living in a bubble and you haven't got a care... It's dark and you're alone The house begins to moan The wind will start to slam And the doors commence to jam All of a sudden the lights go out It's terror all about You think you're gone insane when My first pick is the Elvira Macabre Mobile. Oh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> a curveball. So Elvira had her own 59 Thunderbird that was customized for the Mistress of the Dark movie, which I know that you've seen. Oh, I love that movie. When they made this car custom for this movie, she wanted to take the car after they filmed and everything. But I don't know if you've ever heard any of the story, but... Oh, I think she... Doesn't she still have it? So what happened was she wanted to keep it, but she had nowhere to store the car after they filmed it. How does Elvira not have a, like, 16-car garage? I know. That's what I'm saying. I That's what she said in interviews. And I'm like, how? that doesn't make any sense. So then the car went up for auction, and it was sold to a photographer. And years later, Elvira had to buy it back from her. But get this. The lady who had it, she left it out in the rain, and it was, like, neglected. And it oh, became, man. Yeah. Got all gross and disgusting. So then Elvira had to do a uh, like a restoration for like $35,000 to get it back to where it was. Wow. Did she at least go on one of those restoration TV shows? She had like exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> Tricked out we car. got a special guest tonight for you guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I bullet pointed all of the little cool features on the Macabre Mobile that I think are fantastic. So right. you got the Elvira bat hood ornament, right? So it's like... On the front of the car, top of the hood, there's this little Elvira figure in silver. Right. And you got the spider web grill in the front, skull and crossbones hubcaps, the interior features leopard print velour upholstery. Yes, it does. And then the trunk, if you open it up, it's basically a coffin lined with plush red velvet. You could go take naps in the back there. <laughs> <laughs> the car is so cherry. <laughs> it is. And then there's beady eyeballs on the front fenders and a chain link steering wheel with a skull in the center. But there's one thing that I didn't get. Like, she has garlic as an air freshener hanging from her barbed wire rearview mirror. Yeah. And, you know, she, she would never... want the vampires to come. And lastly, she's got vanity plates. And vanity plates are when you have, like, a funny word on the Jay, license. Yeah, I've, I've been around the block. I know what a vanity plate is. It's not your first rodeo, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> She's had a few different ones on the Macabmobile, but in the movie, it says kick-ass. Yeah. One thing I do feel like I have in common with her and this car is that when she opens the glove compartment, it's overflowing with tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and in the movie, she gets a ticket for doing 50 and a 25. And I was thinking, if I only had all the money that I've spent on tickets in my life, I probably could have bought my own Macabmobile. <laughs> Hey, I got some gas. Number three. 
McDonald's Fast Macs. Just pull them back and watch them go. Collect a different one each week. 69 cents each with any purchase. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Do you remember the McDonald's Fast Macs? I didn't until I just looked them up when you told me about them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they were so cool. I have some reservations about them. Well, okay. Let me just establish what these were. Back in uh, 1985, McDonald's sold these little pullback cars. They were like 49 cents each or something, but they were packaged like real toys. Like they came on a blister card. All that shit. They felt like, like something. It was like a Hot Wheels, yeah. You're right, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it felt like something you would have to buy at a toy store, not get for a twenty cents at McDonald's. Right. So after you pull them back, they drive on their own. They they do these little spins. But the best part was that each car had a little McDonaldland figure popping out of it. Mm-hmm. So you had Ronald, Birdie, the Hambler, the Hamburg, the Ham, the Ham, the Ham, the, the, the Jay, Hamburglar, the Hamburglar, and Officer Big Mac. Yes. Who was obviously like the best one, like the one you had to get. Right. I don't know. What don't you like about Fastmax? Because to me, these were some of the best toys McDonald's has ever produced. The one issue I had here is that I love the McDonald Land characters. Like I know you do and, and a lot of people that we talk to online love these characters because mm-hmm. we rode on them. We got stuck inside of them, yeah. you know, on the playground in front of McDonald's. The you know, it's, play place, yep. Yeah, the play place. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the things is that they only did four releases. You know, if you're going to do the McDonald Land characters, do one for each. You yeah, know, they only- I, I agree. And, you know, I'd be a little more forgiving if they had at least included Grimace. I was hoping for Captain Crook. I think Captain Crook was kind of like sailing for the other side of the world by that point. <laughs> he was. Yeah, I don't know. I know you love Captain Crook. I do. I know you're, you're his number one fan, as evidenced by the literal $600 a year you spend on Captain Crook memorabilia. But I think it's a little unfair to assume he should have been included in a 1985 toy promotion. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid of me to think that he could actually drive a car. I mean, he only sails ships. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless like they like molded him to have like sort of a grimace, a grudging acceptance of his role. <laughs> when I'm watching some of these YouTube reviews, and they're very happy, they're so excited, they're like, I got these, and they're probably 10 years younger than us. Most <laughs> maybe, people are. Maybe more, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, we found these ancient cars on eBay from McDonald's. Um, they feel like it's buried treasure, but they bought them for 20 bucks on eBay. Right. So they I mean, start they, like... They are from 1985. Like, I mean, that's over 30 years ago. Oh, God, I yeah. know. Yeah, it that's feels how like, old we are. It feels like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so... What they do is, and this is a trend, it's not so much the person who's doing or the people, but it's a trend on YouTube that I guess I wasn't aware of. Yeah. The way they film it is point of view. So, like, the camera must be, like, taped to their freaking forehead, and their hands are in front of the camera. So, when you're watching the video, it looks like you're holding the cars. So, you have a problem with a POV shot in toy reviews, is what you're saying? (laughs) Kind of an odd quirk. Well, so here's my problem. Okay. Is that try to be overly expressive with their hands. I have noticed the overexpressiveness <laughs> with the hands now that you mention it. It's yeah, so, it's like it's, whenever they're doing it aside, they kind of like pick up and drop the toy with one hand and do like the Italian twirl with the other. But like it looks like they're conducting and trying to destroy something at the same time. We grew up in families where people do that as a reflex. They're doing it to go along with the script that they wrote about these cars. Look, you know? Jay, you're filming a review of McDonald's Fast Pass from 1985 in a POV shot. You've got to spice that shit up however you can. Yes, and please, I don't want to see the nails that you bit off to the cuticles. It's well, like This is it's why so I don't disgusting. show my hands. This is why I wear gloves in half my videos. I have never done a close-up involving my hand for that exact reason. Some of the hands are disgusting on YouTube. Your hands are fine. No, my hands hands are like, I have probably some of the ugliest hands on the planet. No, that's not true. It's it's totally true. Like, it looks, I look like a picture from the centerfold of a Mayo Health Clinic book. It's just disgusting. I don't even think my hands are the same colors. Like, there's something wrong with one of my hands. (laughs) It's like a bald-faced lie. He could be a hand model. No, I can't. I could actually be a hair model with my hands, which is another problem. <laughs> well, I, I have the same issue, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. So that kind of annoys me how 
It's like this affect that they're putting on. So I want people to be a little bit more natural when they're doing this hand thing. Yeah, you know, I'm, given my own personal history with putting up YouTube videos, I'm going to have to abstain from criticizing what anyone else puts on YouTube. <laughs> I just feel like that's a that's a whole can of worms I'm going to leave sealed. <laughs> there was a couple of people who were so fascinated by the fact that these are pullback cars, almost like they never heard of a pullback car before. I'm like, this is like the most basic toy you've ever seen in your life. Like, oh my God, look at that power. Yeah, it didn't even, <laughs> it didn't even shoot sparks or anything. It's, you know, <laughs> on the scale from one to 10, as far as action features go, I'd give it like a three. Number four. Where are you going for your next car? The Creepy Cruisers are here. I'm dealing. Customer. No problem. Twist and shout. Then you get out. Each sold separately. I love this car. This next one, all we have to do is say his name three times. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, it's you're going with that car, huh? We're going with the Creepy Cruiser. Oh, that's an interesting and I think very good pick. Thanks. The Creepy Cruiser car from Kenner, 1990, mm -hmm. was a vehicle in the Beetlejuice toy line that came out. Now, the interesting thing about the toy line is that it was definitely in the vein of the movie. Like, So the head sculpts were like Michael Keaton. Right, right. right. Definitely movie-oriented. But it sort of coincided with the cartoon in a way it just had nothing to do with it really because it didn't look like well, it's almost like it had nothing to do with either it sort of created its own canon it was a cool line it actually has like a pretty big following a cult following online and stuff so some of the stuff is actually worth a lot of money on ebay but with this car what's interesting about it is that it has the color scheme of the maroon velvet suit that beetlejuice wore at the end of the film right he gets, well, like, he's gonna so about to get almost married. like prince like the license plate says head spinning. It's almost like a cousin to the Elvira car. It really is. It feels like that. But it's so interesting because some of these features that I'm going to mention <laughs> Boy. are amazing. Yeah, so, this car did not fuck around. No way. As you push the car, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, there's a snake pit in the trunk. <laughs> there is. Yeah. So there's like snakes that are like slithering upright. And when you push the car, the snakes like rotate in the back. So if you throw an action figure in the back seat, they get eaten by the snakes. Yeah. And then I think you could actually make it pop them out. Yes. Like the snakes could bite them and then like just kick them out of the car. Yes. It's a cool feature, but it's also one of the weirdest features I've ever seen on a toy, <laughs> period. This is a fucking snake pit this in the trunk. Snake pit. That, that, I mean, even for a line like Beetlejuice, that was beyond a stretch. Can you imagine us rolling up to Dante's Inferno room in this baby and trying to wink at girls? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like the Roy Rogers guy? That would be our aesthetic. Yeah. Number five. Arnold Schwarzenegger is forced into a deadly game on the highest rated TV show of the future. No one has ever survived. But he has yet to play. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. I'll be back. Rated R. So I am sure you are as big a fan of the running man as I am. Love the running man. Oh, so good. So from 1987, starred Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, another name that I cannot pronounce, no matter how many times I hear it. <laughs> and the simplest summary is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm kind of like spitballing here. But Wait, hold up, hold up. And Jesse the Body Ventura. And Jesse the Body Ventura, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. From what I remember, the simplest summary is that it's set in a really bleak future where television networks pretty much rule the world, like they're basically the government. Mm -hmm. And the most popular show is called The Running Man, where a bunch of randos are forced to fight a bunch of quote-unquote stalkers who are trying to kill them. Right. So that's that's basically it, right? That's I would say that's a good summary. Close Very enough. 
very concise. It's amazing you can do when you change a couple of words on Wikipedia. <laughs> so naturally, Arnold becomes a contestant, and the battlefield is sort of like a laser tag arena mixed with the set of American Gladiators. Mm -hmm. And the stalkers are all like crazy pro wrestler types of characters. Right. Like you had one guy named Fireball, he had a flamethrower, and then there was Buzzsaw, we had a chainsaw, that kind of shit. It was great. But then there was the man named Dynamo. <laughs> Dynamo. <laughs> This guy just fascinated me. Picture a heavyset dude who mm -hmm. kind of looked like Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I was going to say Larry Kubiak. Who kind of looked like Larry Kubiak from, <laughs> uh, what is that, Parker Lewis? Yes. Okay, Larry Kubiak. Let's go with that. So you have but Larry Kubiak. Either one. Interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. You have Francis or Larry Kubiak. Now take either of them and put them into what looks like a futuristic Roman gladiator costume, but then cover that whole costume in light, bright pegs. <laughs> oh, and let's also give him the ability to shoot lightning out of his hands. And oh, let's make him sing opera. It's like the producers had 85 different stalker ideas and just decided to dump them all into Dynamo. That's why it's so amazing. <laughs> so to top it all off, Dynamo even had his own car, which I could finally reveal as my next pick. Yes. It was like a mix of a shitty go-kart and one of the light cycles from Tron. Yeah, that's a good uh, analogy. Yeah, and I mean, the car ends up getting him defeated in a way, but I think that's a small price to pay to drive around what looked like some like good dad's attempt to build his kid a DeLorean out of cardboard. Oh, it totally does. It, I was about to tell you, I was like, this was like the shittiest car. Yeah, ever. well, it wasn't. I mean, it's obviously just like a couple of wheels on a frame and they just put whatever they could to make it look like a car. I, I swore I saw the whole body like just kind of bouncing around. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like a pine box derby car, but just like one you could sit in. <laughs> yeah, like if you played bumper cars, it would just collapse. <laughs> yeah, but man, I loved that car and that character. It just made the movie for me. We're making fun of that thing now, but like when you're a kid and you saw that movie in like '87. Having that would be the most amazing thing well, in the think world. Think about it. When you used to watch Running Man as a kid, you would kind of look at all the stalkers and be like, well, what would I want? Right. And there's no way you're not going to take Dynamo's powers. Yeah. Like the, the lightning shooting in the car. How the fuck is he allowed to have a car? Like that's a, even for a rigged game show, it seems a little off balance. He's making opera money. He could probably buy himself a better car. You yeah. know, those opera singers make a lot of money. Apparently the guy who played him has passed, but he actually was an opera singer. Well, he did pass because the car exploded in no, the movie. No, Dynamo, <laughs> Dynamo survived the crash, first of all. He survived the crash, but Schwarzenegger killed him right after it. No, he didn't kill him. He he got killed by the girl. No, I think Schwarzenegger killed him. No, he got killed by the girl. All right, well, I guess we will have to see. Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> What's the matter now, bitch? Why aren't you laughing? Because there's nothing funny about a dickless moron with a battery up his ass. Jay, I was right, see? <laughs> Number six. Can anything stop the animal? The animal. It's a big, powerful 4x4. Four four. But when the going gets tough, it bears its claws to climb over anything that gets in its way. The animal. The animal. Can anything stop? The animal, the animal. I lusted after this following pick. It was a superb idea, and the commercial had a song that went a little bit like this. <laughs> the animal, the animal. Can anything, Can anything stop? stop? The animal. The animal. <laughs> the animal. There was a dramatic pause that I skipped. Yeah. <laughs> so the animal was this amazing 4x4 toy truck, okay? And then when it encountered rough terrain, like rocks and mountains and stuff, mm -hmm. these generic animal claws busted out of the tires. I don't think you can call claws busting out of tires generic no matter what. I mean, that <laughs> is, that's that's hot right there. It's, it was, it was like, oh, fuck, Christ, this was big fucking shit back then. If you ever had like a list of turn-ons, claws busting out of wheels. Oh that's, boy, that's high on the list. Yeah, definitely for me at least. <laughs> so, being that this commercial was so influential amongst my friends, and I'm sure your friends, like everyone we knew, 
would sing this damn song. Oh, yeah. It was like as big as any cartoon theme. In the 80s, there was a real authenticity and they, they put so much detail and care into the commercials because what they would do is they would set up all kinds of little uh, like for this one specifically, there was like a stream and rocks and mountains and the crazy lighting. And they made it look like these trucks were really driving through some sort of like exotic. Right. I mean, it looked like a, like a real fucking car commercial. Exactly. And they just scaled yeah. everything down to fit the animal's size. And then what they did was in the middle of the commercial, they throw in like an exotic bird cawing. You got to have the exotic bird call. You yeah, don't have to sell any trucks without it. So whether we were waiting online at school or just waiting to get into class, whatever it was on the playground, people would sing this. Even now to this day, like you could say the animal. Yep. And anyone that's around our age, their minds will jump to this commercial. Everyone knows the animal. It was that good of a commercial. And and it's so funny. You know, it, it is. It definitely is. But you watch it now, you're like, wow, that's it? This is what <laughs> we were all like crazy about? Because it's kind of simple. And the, the, like the entire song is three lines long. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the legend that grows in your mind, you're picturing this epic documentary style two and a half minute commercial with like three verses. And meanwhile, the whole song is literally the animal, the animal, can anything stop the animal? Right. Dramatic pause, yeah. the animal, the animal. So I would go to my friend's houses. They'd have this thing, right? Now, I do remember thinking, I'm like, well, it's kind of not as good as in the commercial. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a whole thing about this because I have a friend who had this and he says that the animal sucked. Yeah. You can read reviews online from people who had great memories of it and say, this thing was amazing. And My impression, my honest impression, and I hope I don't get into trouble with fellow toy geeks for saying this, but I feel like everyone who says that the animal was wonderful never had it. Because I've said it a million times and I never had it. <laughs> the thing is, you watch the commercial and you get the impression maybe that it's like a radio controlled car. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's just this battery operated to turn on and watch it go kind of car. Exactly. And the claws apparently were not really all that effective in climbing things. No, it would get stuck all the time. Yeah. And the batteries, not only would they go dead real quick, but it seemed like it didn't really have enough power to really even do what it says it could do. Right. Not enough power for a car literally called the animal. <laughs> if I ever got stuck on my commute home and I would be able to pop out claws from Imagine. my wheels just and just all the other cars just go over ferociously tear through all the cars. That would be the most amazing <laughs> thing. In the world. And I would sing that song gloriously. The animal. While sirens slowly build behind you. <laughs> and I get another ticket. <laughs> the animal clawing its way to the top. The animal. Each sold separately. Batteries not included. New from Galoot. Number seven. We got you now, Shredhead! The turtles have Shredder pinned down and are rolling their pizza thrower into position. I'll blast you with retro mutagen. But before he can act, the pizza thrower's adjustable aim and motorized firing action give Shredder and his henchmen their just dessert. So since we agreed to leave out the super ultra famous pop culture cars, I guess I can't include the turtle van. That would be like the obvious choice. Right, but you can't stop me from talking about the pizza thrower. Yes. Oh, boy, the pizza thrower. That's a really good pick. It was one of the early toys in the Ninja Turtle line. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, it never appeared on the cartoon, let alone the uh, comics or movies back then. Mm -hmm. If you could picture it, the pizza thrower was like a tank on top of a car, and the Ninja Turtle driving it could hurl full pizza pies at his enemies. <laughs> and this was a battery-operated feature. Like, this was something that actually happened, like, automatically. Right. And the thing about that pizza thrower is that it really, really threw the pizzas. I, Those things, I, you've seen I, this, right? I was going to say the same thing. These <laughs> things shot like fucking missiles across the room. It was, like, it was like a batting practice pitching machine thing. I was going to say, they're like ballistic missiles. Yeah, I mean, I have some vague recollection of there being some drama about that. But I think if you own the pizza thrower, you love that thing. Yeah. So the kind of like unspoken best thing about the pizza thrower is that it came with that pile of plastic pizza pies. Yes. And they were, <laughs> I, if I have it right, the only pizza pie toys in the entire Ninja Turtle line. It's like, that was such a, it seems so thing. obvious, right? Right. Like yeah. it was super important to have pizza for your Ninja Turtles figures. And this was the only way to really get them. It, what's so weird about that situation. Like, why would you want to waste all that pizza? 
Right. <laughs> it really didn't. Nothing made much sense about the pizza thrower. It's like, even if you had thought that getting rid of the pizza to get rid of your enemies was a fair trade, was pizza really going to stop the shredder? Yeah, even if you fling the pizza at 120 miles an hour, is tomato sauce really going to be that harmful? Right. Like, you know, you might slow them down. You might bruise them even. But I don't think you're going to end the struggle. <laughs> They're going to smell like mozzarella. Mozzarella. <laughs> 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 so, P.S. The pizza thrower was famously featured on the bags for Ninja Turtles Pizza Crunch of Bungas. Right. Which, if uh, you don't remember, were those awesome <laughs> pizza shaped corn snacks. Ninja Turtle Pizza Crunch of Bungas. Snack attack. A snack attack, Jack. I, I just love when you told me about this, you gave me directions on what this was. I'm like, dude, I know. Crunchabungas. No, and you don't know Ninja anything Turtles. about Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you like every time I bring it up, you're like, okay, what's the, what can we talk about? We want to talk about wrestling, the weather. Number eight. The year 2000. America is a vast speedway. People line the streets to witness the greatest drivers on earth in a race from sea to shining sea. This is a death race. You finish first, or not at all. Death Race 2000. So if my calculations are correct, this is going to be the third film that has influenced my life so much that we're talking about tonight. Roger Ebert gave this film zero stars in his review. When it <laughs> really? Came. And this car is from Death Race 2000 from 1975. It's the original version, because there's been sequels and there's Remakes been a remake. shit, right, right. This is the original Roger Corman classic and basically the main character his name is frankenstein and it's all about his car so i saw this movie when i was around 12 or 13 and I, I had a total epiphany when i saw it because i'm like this movie was made like personally for me you know i felt like this is yeah like definitely i like i remember seeing it maybe not quite that early but it had that cool factor going for it had cool cars and it had beautiful women and it was just awesome. So this car, Frankenstein's car. Now Frankenstein looks like almost like Darth Vader. You know, he's he wears mm, all black. Uh, I mean, Vader esque, but also a bit like the love child of Zorro and Machine from Eight Millimeter. Yes, and the guy from Danger Diabolique. That you ever hear? Oh that movie? yes, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's code for you're on your own, Jay. Yeah. So anyway, in the year 2000, uh, there's five drivers, right? Now, they all have these sort of gimmicks, like they have themes going on, and their cars are in line with their gimmicks. Right. So one guy's name is Machine Gun Joe, and he's like a tough guy, gangster. Calamity Jane, who is obviously like a cowgirl. You got a neo-Nazi and a gladiator, things like that. So they all had cars that coincide with their gimmicks. Now, right. Frankenstein, his car was amazing. It was a fucking Stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's a monster. It was like a Stegosaurus knocked up a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may as well have been like a car from the Masters of the Universe collection. You you know? Know, it, to me, it just looked like the one really good Hot Wheels car that you dig through 2,000 other Hot Wheels cars to find. Yeah, like you're in Walmart looking through the giant yeah, bin. Like, for oh, nine. God, this car looks like a something I'd see in real life. No, 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 no. Oh, there it is. There it is. So the guy who created it, his name was Dick Dean, and he had to actually customize this with a kit. So he put this car together for this movie specifically. And, you know, the paint job really evokes like the green scaly skin of a reptile. Right. The headlights are red. It's got these like serpent like pupils and there's horns popping out, horns and spikes popping out of the front of the car. And the car's really like supercharged with these two big exhaust pipes on the rear. This thing was just amazing. And David Carradine as this character, Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, he was so good in this movie. I mean, it's he like was... he's good in everything, no matter how. I mean, he, sorry, he was good in everything, no matter how big or small. Right. But he just really nailed the kind of like weird dichotomy of this character where it was supposed to be threatening, but at the same time, there's something else going on. He's almost a villain, but like you, you root for him, you know. Well, I mean, he turns out to not really kind he, of be a villain, right? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely. Spoiler right. alert. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's the movies from like 1910, so <laughs> cut me some slack. But a brilliant performance made all the better by a monster green serpent car. 
I really wish I had a model of this car. Oh, boy. I'm sure there has to be one out there. I want a Hot Wheels version. I mean, if, <laughs> if nothing else, and at least like a one-of-a-kind version on Etsy made of Crayola modeling clay or something. I'd probably still buy it. <laughs> of course you would. We love you, Mr. Frankenstein. I know just saying it doesn't mean much. Why do you love me? Because I kill people? Scoring isn't killing, Mr. Frankenstein. It's part of the race. You're a national hero, and we want you to know we're with you 100%. Good night, Mr. Frankenstein. Number nine. Garthmobile from Wayne's World. Yes. Yeah, hell yeah. Love I think, it. I think it was technically Garth's car, but the, he and Wayne, they basically co-owned it, right? Right. More or uh, yeah, less. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think it probably was Garth's. Right. So on its face, it's just a 1976 AMC Pacer with mm -hmm. flames painted on the sides. Mm -hmm. Not something someone like me would normally gush about. You're not like a guy who has like flames on everything. <laughs> no, no, no. But I have two big reasons for including this car. First one is that that movie really nailed how a beat-up car could become, like, the absolute hub of activity in your social circle. Mm -hmm. Like, I think back to the various groups of friends I've had over the years, and there was always that one car that we'd always pile into, and we just feel at home. They were, like, kind of like moving clubhouses. Yeah, and that kind of brings us back to what we were talking about in the intro. Totally right, the Ford Pinto. So, yeah. I mean, like, you, you watch Wayne's World and you get the impression that those guys never would have been so close without all of the bonding time in that car. Yeah. And I think we all had our own versions of that. That was, like, the same thing with my LeBaron, because I had my license before a lot of my friends, so we drove everywhere in that thing. So it was kind of like this. Right. Like, all of your memories are sort of wrapped up in a vehicle. Right. And my second reason is much more important. It's that goddamn awesome licorice dispenser. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Holy shit, I've spent the majority now of my <laughs> life dying to install one of those. I'm sure you could do it. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> I, I, people have tried. Like, there are actual kits, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you've never seen the movie, it was basically this, like, clear bowl screwed to the roof of the car with a little hatch that let them tear off pieces of red rope licorice. It was almost like a scotch tape dispenser, but it, 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 it spit out red Yeah, vines. yeah, it totally was yeah. like that. And yeah. that candy is already pretty close to my favorite food. But the idea of just having six feet of it hiding <laughs> in my car, oh my God, so good. <laughs> Plus they get to rock out to Queen. Yeah, just, man. <laughs> Could you install one of those in your car and we'll do Bohemian Rhapsody? I would do it, but I would probably prefer Twizzlers because no, I know no, 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 that's no. always the, the point yeah. of contention. I, I like Twizzlers just fine, but nothing beats a, like a just a big thick piece of red rope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the dispenser on the passenger side, or is it like more toward the center? I uh, believe it's center. I, I think it like basically takes the place of whatever would normally be in the center top of your car. Right, like a dome light or something. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah, so no matter if you're driving or, or passenging, you have access to candy. I think if I did install something like that, we'd be going on a lot more video store trips. <laughs> oh, boy. My answer to every one of your questions would be... <laughs> uh, so I was thinking of going to uh, the A&P down the street. Oh, okay, I'll come with you. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a second. Hey, Mr. Donut Head Man, who's trying to kill you? I don't know, but they better not. Number 10. It was a stormy night when a bolt of lightning forced me off the road. My car skidded into a government laboratory where a top-secret experiment was underway. I swerved into the path of Dr. Chase's molecular transfer ray, causing me and my car to become one. incredible turbo team saturday morning cartoons were a great place to see some of these wild cars when we were kids mm -hmm. and one tv series that i loved back then was turbo team <laughs> do you remember this so here's the thing i vaguely recall it but i don't know if i had ever watched a full episode until literally this morning 
<laughs> and I have many, many thoughts, Jay. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So Turbo Teen was a Ruby Spears animated series that ran for 13 episodes in 1984. And it was about a teenager who can transform into a sports car. Of course. Of course. Now, this was sort of like on the tails of the big hit Knight Rider. And what they did was they sort of morphed that idea in with, let's say, maybe like a Marvel superhero. Like a Spider-Man, but without a costume. Right. It was Spider-Man, but if Spider-Man was a car. <laughs> and, and, like, literally, that's the show. That's the show, yeah. So it's this kid, Brett. He's a teenager, right? And he drives this sort of, like, Camaro uh, or Trans Am sort of thing. Yeah. And he can morph into this car when he gets really hot. Right. When he gets into a cold uh, situation, he goes back to the human form. Right, which I guess is something that sounded okay on paper, but in <laughs> execution, they had to work pretty hard to keep that bullet point in motion. Oh my God, like, the yeah. bad guy would be, will waltz in, and he'd just start making threats about, like, fucking ice cream. I'm gonna <laughs> throw you in the freezing cold ocean. It was like they did anything they could to make cold a part of the episode. There's a part of the transformation process. His face starts to stretch. Yes, it's so weird. <laughs> The whole transformation sequence, it looks like a dog slowly trying to fuck the furniture. (laughs) It's totally weird. Why couldn't they just make it where he just sort of like blinked into a car? Like, why do we have to go through? Because like, here's the thing about this show. If the episode I saw was any indication, it's not like he's the kid for 20 minutes, turns into the car for two minutes and then turns back into the kid. He does this transformation like 85 times every five minutes. It's just constantly cold, hot, cold, hot, oh, I'm hot, oh, I'm cold. He's transforming back and forth that every time you got to see this whole fucking stretching sequence. There's a lot of high spots. Yeah, there's a, Jesus, it's a total spot fest. It's just spot <laughs> It's actually a fun show, even though we're kind of poking fun at it. No, it was all action. Like, I liked what I saw. Right now, I'm going to send you... This link, if I could figure out how to do this. Okay. Now, I'm sending you a link to... I got it here. This video. I'm going to pull it up as well. And I'm going to try to point you to this part that I'm going to... Oh, uh, nice. 20 minutes and 46 seconds. We have to watch the entire thing. <laughs> of course. Let's just do a live riffing of this random Turboteen episode. I was going to say, we might be the first people to ever do a, a commentary on a turbo teen episode and everyone else is about to find out why go to seven minutes and 35 seconds okay okay so the kids are at like a dance it's like the enchantment under the sea dance type situation you with me here i i'm I'm seeing what you're what you're describing yes brett starts to do this crazy dance almost like friday the 13th part yeah situation yeah it's definitely erratic oh wow what's what's happening to now yes super awkward he starts to turn into the car he's dancing oh my god the car but the song is a ripoff of heart of rock and roll oh shit it is (laughs) why is this happening is he like on drugs the car's breakdancing. The car just fell in the pool. Oh, that's going to cool him off. I see. I know this show. There he is. He's back to the human bread. For me to be able to describe how much I love watching that sports car turbo team dance to a knockoff of Huey Lewis, it's just the greatest thing ever. It might well, I got to watch it again. Hold on. It, it might be the greatest 15 seconds ever. Let me pump up the volume so I can really get the flavor. Oh, my God. I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh my, and like, I love how his friends are like, what the fuck is he doing? He's doing like this marching band thing and his hands and his feet turn into wheels. Yeah. Like, well, can you? I, I don't have context here, but why is he like this is not normal behavior for this boy? Why is he going crazy at this dance? What happens in the previous seven minutes? 
It's like Footloose. He's just got to dance. Is that really what it is? Is he caught up in the moment? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Whenever you hear Huey, you just got to dance. It's true. Can't disagree. Number 11. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. The sun is out 55 degrees. What a great day for a Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. This float that you're going to look at right now is a comic book spectacular come to life. It's the super city of the Marvel Universe. Furnished, of course, by Marvel Entertainment Group. My last pick is a bit of a cheat. It's the Marvel Comics float from the 1987 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> Look, I, I, I gotta say, I didn't even remember this, so thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, like, first of all, just to get it out of the way, a float is technically a car. I don't think you can get a ticket for driving on the turnpike with it. No, no, technically you're driving a vehicle. Yeah. So, like some of the other parade floats we've covered on this podcast, and believe it or not, this is, I think, the third time I've brought up a Macy's parade float. You have so much respect for this stuff. I just hope that one day we could see something close to what we used to see it in these parades. That's oh, it'll all. never happen. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a different world. Yes. Um, as much as we would like that, the truth is that these old floats were often sort of beautiful disasters. Right. And I think the Marvel Comics one from 1987, at least, that was a beautiful disaster. It was a work of art. It, I mean, no, yeah, don't get me wrong. It was a work of art, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, it's right in the middle of cheese and awesome. Exactly. And it's, but it, it, that's a great place to be. Right. I don't know exactly how to describe what it looked like. This is really hard, but it's basically just like a bunch of buildings and tunnels and ladders, all with wildly conflicting color schemes. They all seemed like they were being held together by rubber bands. <laughs> it basically looked like an action figure playset, but in a human scale. Yeah, and there was sort of like a leaning tower of Pisa or something. Yes, there was, and it, <laughs> and they made it lean. Um, <laughs> the best part of the float was that it was absolutely crawling with costume characters. Right. And like the He-Man float that we've talked about in another podcast, you could argue that there were maybe just a couple too many costume characters. Because some of them, all they could do was like just hang on for dear life with maybe four inches worth of floor to support them. Yeah, there was a lot of characters. Yeah, and, like, only three of them are really featured, so I don't know why they needed, like, I think they had the freaking White Queen on there. I'm like, what the fuck? I was this? gonna say that, you know, I... I, I, I get I've... I get White Queen being there a couple years later, but 1987 seems, I don't know. You had all the main guys, but then you also had all these other characters that I thought was really awesome. It was awesome, and it's, it's awesome now, especially for us to look at in retrospect, but I think at the time, with the limited space they had... Maybe cut off one or two. Yeah. So the float had around three minutes to make an impression on live television. So they did this like whole stage show. Right. And oh boy, did they make the most out of it. <laughs> oh boy. So okay. <laughs> Captain America. Costume yes. Captain America. He kind of like narrated the whole thing. You're through, Dr. Doom. Except for during the 45 seconds when he's just beating the shit out of Dr. Doom. <laughs> like with these phantom punches that don't even come close to connecting he is just wailing on doom he was it was broadway punches yeah yeah totally <laughs> exactly maybe it was a tribute yeah. and while all of that's happening you have the theme from back to the future playing yeah i don't know is that like theme has it become generic enough that you could do that <laughs> Well, see, in 1987, that was only two years after Back yeah, to the Future. Yeah, I mean, like, they're literally just using the Back to It's not something that sounds like it. It's not like a, you know, kind yeah. of muted version. It's the Back to the oh, Future. Oh, no, theme. it was blatantly obvious that that's what they were using. And what was even weirder at the time, like, you know, you mentioned that this was 1987. You got to remember, that movie was such a huge phenomenon. Right. And it was only a couple of years later. It was still fresh in people's minds. That would be like today saying the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It was still a huge movie. Right. You know what I mean? So I guess, I mean, that's what they were doing then. They were just trying to steal some glow from Marty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So at the in the grand finale of this three-minute stage show, whatever you want to call it, you watched the video today, right? I've I've seen it several times. Okay, so but, I need your yeah. I need your input on if I'm describing this correctly, because it's, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Captain America pushes yes. the incredible Hulk off a balcony for no reason at all. <laughs> and then Doctor Doom, of all people, goes out of his way to catch him. 
<laughs> and I mean, like, give him the safest landing possible, not like just break his fall, but to literally raise his arms and just sort of cradle him so he can put him down safely. It's been 30 years, and I still have no idea what they were going for. Captain America and Doctor Doom were playing, like, a little cat and mouse game. Yeah. And they, like, Captain America electrocutes Doctor Doom, right? Oh, I totally forgot that part. Yeah. And totally, then... <laughs> literally electrocutes Doctor Doom on live television on Thanksgiving morning. Then Hulk essentially stage dives off the stage, and then they all stop and mug for the camera. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they were just going for the super happy ending, you know, speaking of Wayne's World, but oh, like, it was just weird. We're all friends now at the yeah. end. <laughs> put aside, then, like, you know, it's a holiday. Let's put aside our differences for five minutes. At the end, like, Hulk is bowing. It's yeah. so weird. The like, person who played Hulk, objectively, I would have to say he had a little too much fun that morning. <laughs> Didn't really remember the character's motivations. He just kind of went berserk. He's like, I'm in the fucking whole costume. I'm on television. It's Thanksgiving. I'm and cold, and I'm going to go out there and do my thing. And what a Hulk costume it was. He looked like a demonic Michael Landon from Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> he did. Up your old tricks again, Hulk. Number 12. He's not from around here. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. He's come a long way. Hold on! You like living games, Misty, don't you? Now, he's going to do to them. Who are you? What they did to him. Charlie Sheen in The Wraith. Friday night at 8 on Channel 11. Shocktober. The Wraith from 1986. Oh, my God. It's one of these WPIX classics. Shocktober. on New York's movie station. <laughs> so, confession. I had never seen The Wraith until you told me you were going to be bringing it up. And it is my new favorite thing. <laughs> it should be. It yeah. is it so be. good. Is great. Oh my god, I <laughs> loved this movie. There's very few things in life that make me speechless, but Sherilyn Finn in this movie is very high on the list. Yeah, if not, she's also, if... I mean, she seemed very Jersey to me in this movie, too. I don't, yes. know, I don't know if it was just me. Yes. Remember that feeling when you were younger and you liked a girl, but you had no idea what to say to her, and then you blurted out something stupid? And that's me whenever I watch this movie. Yeah. Oh, I, just try, I try to keep my mouth shut because the last thing I need when I'm chilling on the couch is for her to actually hear me and start <laughs> interrupting the movie and talking to me. And then I get freaked out. <laughs> uh, it depends on what's on the uh, the coffee table next to you, you know. <laughs> so anyway, Charlie Sheen is the star and it's all about him and his uh, amazing turbo interceptor car. Right. The Wraith is basically about a a teenager who died mysteriously. Right. And he sort of gets resurrected from the dead as this street racing ghost. In a right. Way. It's almost like he's like the unseen pilot of this crazy future car mm -hmm. with lightning powers and it's indestructible. Right. And he's going to take revenge on this group of guys or like a gang. And they have this crazy sort of cult leader guy who. Right. He murdered the kid a while back. And Charlie Sheen, he's got this amazing um, interceptor, and he's basically zooming around. And the car's almost like this alien car in a way. It's like what the Batmobile would be if Batman was less cinematic about things. Exactly. So basically, the, uh, the whole idea is that Charlie Sheen is kind of facing off against these guys to get revenge. But he's falling in love with Sherilyn Finn, who plays Carrie. And this movie is very much, to me, eye candy, but it's also ear candy because the oh, soundtrack... such a good soundtrack. How the hell... Because from what I understand, this was sort of like an independent mm -hmm. kind of sidebar production. It's, it's a miracle that they made the movie at all, let alone such a good one. Yeah. But they got the best songs in here. Ozzy, Stan Bush, Crew, Robert Palmer, Billy Idol, Honeymoon Suite. It's amazing. What a great soundtrack. Back then, it was really known for its soundtrack. Right. It was, they... it was almost like it came off like a, like a John Hughes film, but it was also a horror movie and also like a Hallmark romance. It was just crazy. They had yeah. a song for like every kind of genre. 
And like the car, the interceptor, if someone's not familiar with the turbo interceptor, because I forgot we were actually talking about cars, oh, that's right. not, not just Cheryl and Finn. Yeah. <laughs> so the turbo interceptor, it was kind of like um, a special edition Dodge car that they were using for special situations with car racing, you know, so they well, used wait, this... I don't was it a real car? Yeah. So it was an actual car, really powerful. It could go like zero to 60 in a little over four seconds right but the thing with the car is that like so it looked like a bullet speeding through the air it had a really long back like you said i said that there was a long back i don't recall saying that (laughs) i thought you said i'm sure I'll, i'll take credit i have one of the coolest collectibles from the wraith i was always searching for something that would be an actual official wraith collectible mm-hmm. aside because i have it on vinyl, the soundtrack on vinyl i got the dvds and stuff but on ebay somebody had customized a hot wheels turbo interceptor and it was like the wraith version and it had charlie oh, wow. sheen yeah and it's got charlie sheen on the front oh that's so cool it's awesome i'll have to put pictures up but was it worth 165 dollars <laughs> I would have paid double. Great pick, and I have to thank you. I'm so glad that you forced me to finally watch this amazing movie that everybody should watch. Well, maybe eventually you'll watch Trick or Treat with me now. (laughs) Like I said, The Wraith was excellent, (laughs) and I'm so glad I gave it a shot. (laughs) Just think of this as a second chance. We were meant to be together, Carrie. Look, I got one more thing to do. Don't leave me again. Don't worry, I'll be back. It's a short trip. Back light. So that was our car show, Jay. Our cool car show. Yeah, I had a good time. I was okay. I mean, it was <laughs> all right for me. All right. So let me run through some of your picks. You had Eagle 5 from Spaceballs, the Winnebago. Yeah. The McDonald's Fast Max, Dynamo's Car from Running Man, uh, the Mirthmobile from Wayne's World, yeah. the Ninja Turtles Pizza Thrower, mm-hmm. and the 1987 Marvel... <laughs> Look at my fucking list. Boat. Look at this list of bullshit I've given. Like, people are going to listen and be like, what the fuck? Why do they even I, bother saying that they're doing a subject on anything? They're I just picking know. random stuff. Entertainment Weekly could do an entire special edition on this on this list. It's a great list. Yeah. And it's very hard to to choose from because I'm having an issue here where I like the flying Winnebago spaceship. Mm-hmm. But the 1987 Marvel Parade float, I think we'll have to uh, take the cake. Quick Captain America, Wolverine, need your help. So glad you picked that one. It really deserves a little more pub. I think it's a, a no-brainer. I mean, once people watch that, if they've never been bestowed with that goodness, they will say, how the hell did I not see this? Right, because it's like the craziest Marvel thing that few people have seen. Like, yeah. I think at this point, Marvel fans have probably dived back into the really early movies, even the movies from the 70s with Spider-Man all that shit. It's so cool to see that era, you're right. Right, but... right, but I don't think their digs have been deep enough to get them to the 1987 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah, that's deep cuts. Yeah, that's deep cuts. So everyone out there, if you're into the uh, MCU or what have you, go yeah. look this video up. This video that I put online 13 years ago and now looks like shit because I uploaded it in 320-width WMV format. It is something else. You guys got to download your real players for yeah, that one. Yeah, Winamp. Winamp. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let me go through yours here. Yeah. Boy, you had some uh, good ones tonight. You had The Animal. Yes. Frankenstein. Yeah. Turbo Teen, Elvira's Car, and the uh, Turbo Interceptor from The Wraith. And the did you say the Beetlejuice car, too? No, I left it out on purpose. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I forgot. No, that's a good pick, too. You didn't have a bad one tonight. All right. Um, but I think I'm just going to have to continue my, my new obsession. It's yeah. got to be the car from The Wraith. Yes. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the, the car is whatever. It's cool enough. But that man, the fact that it's in that movie 
and it gave us a reason to talk about it. Oh man. Well, I had a good time talking about all these crazy cars. Me too. Wild had a wild ride, man. Yeah, what's a wild ride? <laughs> we talked about this tonight, but you know what is coming soon. Oh yes. It looks like our next show might be kicking off something. Uh oh. <laughs> what could it be? The season is upon us. Yes, the season of the witch. Yes. We can finally stop talking about cars and <laughs> ice cream and uh, whatever else and get to the spooky stuff. Yes. And uh, it's been a good time. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. See you next time. Who's going to tell you when it's too Home tonight. And you are listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.